Okay. So here we go. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We are in the second part. It's great being back uh, after last week was my first week back. This is my second week back after a sabbatical over the summer. And uh, just was great to be away and it's great to be back. There's no place I'd rather be than right here with uh, Christ Fellowship on a Sunday morning. So we're in part two of a series called The Good Life, and uh, we're going to talk about that today by talking about a new kind of life. And, uh, but first, let's read a little bit of Scripture and then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we are asking for light, to shine into our hearts, Lord Jesus. You are the light of the world. Come and have Your way. Holy Spirit, illuminate truth to us. Illuminate that which is from Jesus and make it known and real to us today as we are together with the Word of God open. In Jesus' mighty name, and together we say, Amen. Okay, so we are uh, talking about this, this passage, which is a great, uh, a great way of jumping in. New creation, and we've just had a bunch of uh, several baptisms here, and what's going on in baptism is kind of pointed to in this scripture. When someone's baptized, you know, it's a picture of the old being t- dealt with and the new coming, and so that's a pretty good thing to be talking about when we're talking about the good life. It's a new kind of life. Last week, if you remember, we talked about the fact that God is, God is good. Y'all remember that? God is good and all the time. He's good all the time, right? Okay, everybody, <laughs> how y'all doing? All right, all right. We had too many people talking. There's somebody else talking. All right, all those testimonies were awesome. I love seeing the baptisms. I love all that stuff. But uh, last week, so God's good. He made us good. You remember that? He made creation good, but then we fell and so Jesus, in sin, and so Jesus comes to redeem all of broken humanity, to redeem the world, to make things right, and He calls us to join Him in this project of helping to make things right. This is His kingdom plan to make things right in all of the earth. And so this week, again, we're on this path of the good life. And what are we saying that the good life is? The good life is found with Jesus. It's where you get to experience life and peace and freedom, and forgiveness, and for, you know, getting rid of all the, the junk that's dragging you down, and walk in real freedom and life, and all that in hope, all that God has for us. Now, here's what happens, though. We may know that in our heads, but our, our hearts, you know, we aren't just like a big thinking head on a stick. We, we're, we're, we think, and that affects us, but we're also affected by our desires, this is just things that are going on in our hearts that are down below the surface, and a lot of times we don't, even, we don't even know. If I were to say, 
What do you want? You know, what, what do you want this morning? What is, Brian, what do you want? You know, Dean, what do you want? And it's like, well, I think this, I think this. You know, and, and a lot of times though, we don't know exactly what we want because it's kind of, it's down below the surface. I heard this past week that only 5 to 7% of our thoughts are conscious. So that means that 93%-ish of our thoughts are kind of down below the surface, kind of like an iceberg. You've seen the pictures of the iceberg, right? And so all of, there's all kinds of stuff going on down below the surface that we don't even know about. Why do we do stuff that we don't want to do? Why do we desire stuff that we know that's, in our heads, we know that's really not the best for me? You may know what I'm talking about. And so, and, and, and what we find out is that my desires aren't just being shaped by what I know in my brain, but my desires are actually being shaped by what I'm doing. I know that sounds so simple, but I, I want to just, it's, it's, it's so simple that we miss it. Our desires are being shaped by what we do all the time. So the things that you repetitively do, your habits, the things you do at night, the things you do in the morning, the kind of food you like, you know, you start shaping the desire of even the food you like by the habit that you practice. That's why some people like to have salads and green stuff and veggies and crunchy stuff that's just, you know, all that, and, and they want more of it. They actually do that as a habit, and it becomes something they desire. Conversely, I'm not going to use any other big words like that today, but I'll throw that one out there. Conversely, I like that. Conversely, um, you know, you like a Whataburger, some fries, you know, and then you like maybe a little Taco Bell at night, little Rosa's, you know, and fire things up with the IHOP in the morning, you know, some pancakes. You know, you'll find yourself gravitating. You start that habit, you know, and it's like, give me a burger and some fries instead of, you know, give me a salad with some veggies and hold the dressing. <laughs> The point is that our desires are shaped by the things that we do, okay? So that's, that's really what I'm trying to, it's like, there's so much that happens subconsciously. Ever been driving in your car? Kim and I were talking about something the other day, and I was trying to go to the office, but I was distracted, you know, I, I started on the path that we normally, that I normally, you can just imagine me going to work, <laughs> and but I realized all of a sudden, I'm not on the right, I, I'm going in the right direction, but I was in the wrong lane, had to turn, do some stuff to get, get up here to the, to the office. And, uh, and most of the time, you know, it's, we do all kinds of things like that subconsciously that we don't, I mean, most of the time it's a win. You get to the office, everything's fine. You ever, you know, you, you drive home, you drive to work, whatever, and you don't even, you don't have to think about it. That's why, uh, that's what a lot of life is like. And so these practices, habits, things that we do, we can actually change and experiment with new practices, new habits that will shape our desires in new ways. Did you know that? So you don't have to stay the way you are right now. You can actually be a disciple that's being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. That's good news. But you don't just do it by doing the same old things you've been doing over and over and over again in your past. So you experiment with some new habits, some new practices, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. Let me give you a few examples of that. One would be 
the spiritual discipline of gratitude. Did you know gratitude is a... Who would say gratitude's a good thing? Being thankful. It's about 60%. So that's great. Gratitude is a good thing because gratitude, it does something with our desires. It makes us... It lifts our hearts toward God as we literally... And here's where the discipline part is. Sometimes you may wake up in the morning and go, man, you know... Uh, y- y'all heard this story about Grandpa. He was in the, he got some Lim- Limburger cheese on his, on his uh, mustache, and he's in the living room. He goes, man, this living room stinks. What? He goes out into the kind of the foyer part of the house. He goes, man, it stinks out here. He goes out onto the porch, and he goes, man, the whole world stinks. That's not really that funny, but, but, it's, a, <laughs> but it's a great way of thinking about your attitude. How many times Kim and I go, are you like in the mood of the whole world stinks right now? You know? And so when I'm in that mode, my attitude's down, whatever, if I will get into my prayer place where I pray and start literally just saying, Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you for your life. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of like mopey, downtrodden, beat up dude, all of a sudden, you know, I start, there starts being some life in me as I'm looking to Jesus as the answer for life. You know, so it's, it's, it's good news. It's a spiritual practice. Gratitude. Another one would be practicing silence. Okay? So some of the disciplines we can do are positive. I'm doing something like gratitude. Then some are negative, where I'm, I'm, I'm pulling back, like fasting from food or something. That's I'm pulling back, you know, I'm, I'm letting go of something. Silence, what are you letting go of there? An addiction, an unbelievable addiction that we all fight with to noise. Stuff, input, phone. You know, talk about habits with our phone. You know, it's the morning. I mean, it affects our whole day, right? It's the morning. What's the temperature? Or the alarm. You use it for your alarm, right? Then you got to look at the temperature, all this stuff. It's like, it's a part of our lives, right? So, Silence is a practice that helps us hear God beyond all of the words that we're addicted to and the the input, the constant, all of that. So these habits shape our lives. Practice of prayer makes me sensitive to God. The practice of, of studying the Word of God helps me to know more about God. The practice of worship helps me to celebrate God and His goodness in my life. You know, all of those things are critical uh, factors for helping us to grow. What about the practice of being together? As the church. Okay? Is this a spiritual discipline? I didn't think of coming to church as a spiritual discipline. Coming to be with my brothers and sisters. But it is, in a way, isn't it? Because what it does is it helps us to, to kind of retrain ourselves again from the input that's been, you know, it could be positive, neutral, or negative. And a lot of times it feeds our flesh. It fle- feeds our sinful nature. Whatever we're doing a lot of times we need the liturgical, when I say liturgy, I mean the, the stuff we do here, worshiping, praying, sharing communion together, praying for one another. All of those things help us to recalibrate to God. And so today we're looking at this, uh, you know, taking this thing, a new kind of life, and this basic idea that we're looking at uh, that fits on a, on a baptism day is a new kind of life. And the church has been doing this thing since the beginning, uh, since the very, the very beginning of the church. Uh, uh, 
It's a ritual. It's an initiation. It's first steps of obedience and following Jesus Christ. And uh, you know, in the early church, this wasn't just a ritual. So if you think about it, because baptisms were were um, the, the the there was actually cleansing involved in a baptism. Okay, so there was cleansing. There was a there was a a bath that was connected to the baptism. There was a birth that was connected to the baptism. There was a, a burial that was connected to the baptism. All of those things are pictures for us as well. Forgiveness of sins, receiving the Holy Spirit, uh, united with Christ, all of those things. Becoming one new people that we'll talk about in just a minute. And it's all made possible by Jesus. I want to just say, even as we've seen the pictures, that just that we're talking about baptism, our faith isn't in baptism. Although we do that. And we do all kinds of other things as a part of walking with Jesus, obeying Him. We love other people. My faith isn't in my faith. It's not like I'm sitting here going, hey, you guys need to get faith like me. Man, I can pop that thing down and hit the bell up at the top. Really, a lot of times, I'm a mess. You know, I I need Jesus. My faith, to be honest, isn't in my faith. It's in Jesus. Period. I I don't have any other hope. I'm not like, how much faith do I have? I'm like, Jesus, you're the Savior. You're the Lord. You're my life. I have no other hope besides you. That's, that's my simple little thought on that. Okay, so here's the main thing today. God wants us to live the very best life. He wants us to live the good life, the best life, which can only be known and experienced by sharing in the life of Jesus Christ, by participating in Christ, by participating in what He's done. You know, the early church would say, they would read this, what Paul says in Ephesians, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's a baptismal, liturgical thing they would say. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Choo-choo. Uh, just, I need, need something louder to express, I need to look at a guitarist and say, they'll they'll at least smile at me when I'm saying that. Um, Okay, so in baptism, here we go. Three things that I want us to get, and then we're going to wrap this up and have some some ministry along these lines. But in baptism, we see a new kind of life. That's what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so, When we say this, when we say He's a new creation, it's like all that God is going to do in the end, you know, He's the end of the story. If you read the Bible, you read to the end, the end of the story is that there's no more separation between heaven and earth. There's a new heavens, there's a new earth, and everything's been made right and whole and as it should be. And so it's like that is breaking into us when we are declared to be a new creation. New creation breaks into me, and it's like I become... uh, Some of you guys know I like time travel stuff. It's like I become, and we become together, like a time machine, kind of. Sort of. Not exactly, but kind of. It's like that future that God is wanting starts breaking in through us right now. You know, that's what He's wanting to do. It's like all of that beauty, the way it should be, the justice, the righteousness, the peace, the love, the the no more wars and all that stuff, He wants breaking into us right now. A new creation. New creation people. That's what we're called. It's a new kind of life. And you know what? 
We don't get to see it in fullness, and yet we're supposed to be people that are pointing toward it, pointing, that longing, signpost people that point to the way things should be. That's what God's calling us to. And, you know, uh, I had a friend this past week, and this brings hope to me because uh, I was talking with a friend, and he was saying uh, he just had a friend die that I, I knew as well, and he, his life was cut short by cancer. And uh, my friend was telling me, he said, Jamie, I was grieving so much that I couldn't even get in touch with what I truly believed about the situation. It just hurt so much, and there was so much pain going on. And he said, and I, be I believed for more than I could even express at the time. And he said, after a couple of weeks, I've realized I've gotten in touch with what I believe, you know, more deeply, and that I believe that even though it didn't, we didn't get to see it all happen in this brother's life, we're going to. He's going to. There's going to be a resurrection. And there's going to be a fullness of maturity that gets to come where, where there was some frustration. Was this the end? Why did this happen at this point in time? You know, there was that, that pain and that longing and longing for it. And you guys, when we feel the same way, we feel like I'm not there. I'm broken. Why, do I keep, why does that stuff keep happening? All those things. We are people that have this life in us. And we look forward to what is coming and expressing that in more and more and greater measure. Baptism is a tangible picture of what God's doing in us. This new life, this being buried with Christ, being raised with Christ. And it's marked by new love. New love, I, just if you want to write that down. New love, uh, what I want to say there. The world is longing for this. The world is longing. We get songs that sing about it, all it is is a God echo coming through popular music. You know, what the world needs now or is love or, or all you need is love. I need a more current example. Those are even before me. <laughs> but, but, but that longing, is, is, it's for love. It's for peace. It's for things to be right. And it's, the world is longing for it. It's new love, new freedom. It's baptism marks... Really for me, one of the things I want to say, I'm just using baptism because the baptistry's here today and, and it's just a freedom. How many of you guys want to walk in total freedom? See, that's like 80% that time. And so just total freedom, I want to just say what God has done for us in Christ and is pictured in baptism is the basis for you walking in total freedom. It is the basis. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, he says, Romans 6, 3, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead to the glory of the Father and have new life. Okay? So that's a key piece. And you say, well, united with Him in life. A lot of times we forget, though, that, that we're also united with Him in death. And that's actually good news. That's actually good news. So when it says in Romans 6, 6, just a couple verses later, for we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been freed from sin. 
Okay, so this is actually really good news. We don't think about death as good news, but because Jesus went to the cross, because he fully identified with our humanity and our flesh, he takes us with him. It says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. So anybody ever struggle with addiction? You don't have to raise your hands on these. With addiction, sin struggles that just keep coming, the same thing over and over again. Is this ever, am I ever going to change? Am I ever going to get out of this deal? You know, as someone who's been there, I just want to say this news that I'm preaching right now is awesome good news. It's awesome good news that Jesus included us with him in his death. Think about that. And so doesn't matter what you're struggling with. You say, am I ever going to be free? Absolutely, you're going to be free. Because your old self was crucified with Christ on the cross. This is the truth. This is the basis of deliverance, of living a new life. Yes, I'm united with Christ in life. I'm also united with Christ in death. And so this old man that's still here, but, but he kind of acts based on how much, I, how much space I give him in my life. And the way I like to think of it is like a, a deflated, you know, uh, rubber kind of guy that if I just keep my eyes focused on Jesus, he's there, but I'm living the life of Jesus. But if I give him a, you know, if I give him a little bit, give him, throw him a bone or something, a little sin here and there, some thoughts, go to a website or whatever I should, you know, just, and he's like, he's right there. <laughs> he starts blowing up, you know, and I give him a little bit more, and he just... Bam! Kicks the door down and he's he wants to run the whole show. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy and you've never heard anything like this. Please, somebody help me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So, new freedom, it's based on, man, I, I, my old self was crucified with Christ on the cross. New freedom. Beautiful. Last one there. Baptism marks new victory. Okay, so uh, the victory that's in Christ is we give up our life and we get His victorious life. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory over the devil. All of that in this victorious life that's in Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes you need to hear it. You may need to hear it this morning. You are victorious. You are victorious in Jesus Christ. Not you will be one day, and I hope Jesus wins the victory in this area. You are victorious because of Jesus. It's just a different, it's a different, you know, don't, don't be climbing up a hill and trying to work your way up the, the ladder to one day get this thing that Jesus has already done for you, which is victory over sin, death, and the devil. Okay, you know, how do I walk in this, Jamie? How do I do this? You know what? I can't. There's only one person that can live this new life, this new kind of life. And it's not getting it all tweaked out in my own little world. It's trusting Jesus. There's only one person that can live the Christian life. Jesus Christ. Second piece there is a new kind of story. So, the next few verses there in 2 Corinthians, what Paul, what Paul does is... He says, look, you've got a new story too. Uh, he says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old's gone, the new's come. This is all from God. He reconciled us to Himself. 
He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was reaching out in Jesus and bringing us all back right into his heart. And he's given us this message of reconciliation. He's made us ambassadors. He's telling us, we've got this good news inside of us. We've got this story inside of us. And we can go say to others now, be reconciled to God. God's done it all in Jesus Christ. It's not up to you. He's done it. I wake up to this. I want to wake up to this. It's, it's a, it really is a new story. It's a new way. We think in story, don't we? I don't think in bullet points. Some of us do. But we don't really, even if we, we're more, we think we're bullet point people, we still tell stories. Kim comes home, and uh, or we, we meet at the end of the day, and she says, hey, how'd your day go? And if I just started feeding her bullet points every day, and I didn't tell her, she's, she wants to know, like, the story. We think in story. We dream in story. We tell, we write our books in story. We tell our, we watch our movies in story. Can you imagine you got a movie, you go to the theater, you're there, you got the popcorn, you know, and like bullet point one, two, three, you know, with a little bit of documentary after it. That'd be weird. And so story, it's huge. And it's the way God works too. Flash that first slide up there. We've done, we've, we've thought this way, you know, I've been using this for years to explain basically God's story it's kind of like a five, six act play. You know, creation, the fall. God brings a promise to Abraham that through his seed, the whole world's going to be blessed. And ultimately that, that seed, that, that uh, the, the, the king, the savior is Jesus. He comes and then all people in him, both Jew and Gentile now, form the church, his, his called out people. And we are living with a view toward new creation, which I've already been talking about. And so we are this... Uh, it's like we're in Act 5 of an unfinished play. And we don't live our lives disconnected from everything that's gone before. Instead, this is our story. And this is where things are going, new creation. And so we're living under the Holy Spirit's leadership right now, expressing what God wants as a part of this story, pointing toward what's coming. Does that make sense, all of that? One of the big things that's hit me in the last few years is it's not even just creation to new creation. Actually, this story, this incredible story, is before creation, before creation to new creation. Because even before the world was created, he said, I want you to be adopted into this family of love, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I've chosen you to be brought into this wonderful, beautiful story. Okay, so wow, that's pretty cool. All of that. And that's the way God works. You see story you know, being played out in baptism. Noah, his family goes through the water. They're saved. The Israelites, they go through water. They're saved out of slavery. You know, uh, Jesus even pictures this for us, identifying with humanity you know, to fulfill all righteousness. You know, identifies himself with humanity. You know, in baptism, we identify ourselves with him in baptism. You know? And so the church is saved. On the other side of that, all that's going on there, it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it's the way we think. We think in terms of story. And so uh, it's important, you guys, that we, that we have that uh, sense of the meta, the meta story because when we walk out of here, there's all kinds of different kind of sub-stories that are competing for our allegiance. You know, the Fort Worth success story. The sports success story. The I'm going to be a famous musician. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, if you're visiting with us, I actually play the guitar, and that will, if you don't know that, oh, that's going to be really weird, that last part. Uh, so, um, you know, there's all these competing stories. The American story, you know, you do all this stuff, you go to school, da, 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 you get lots of toys and houses and stuff, and, you know, then you, retirement's like gigantic, you know, and then everybody goes to heaven when you die. You know, and that's kind of our, that's the cultural story that we live in. But we want to order our life. It's not even that all those things, it's not those things are right or wrong. It's just we want to order our life, whatever's going on, work, marriage, all the different things we do, our kids, the way we think about family, and connect that to the story of God. Does that make sense? You know, college students, I mean, it's a big, it's a big word. You know, I mean, you're at a time where you're thinking through, through things, and we want We've got a new kind of story that we want to connect our lives to. New life, new story, you know, and, and let me just say this too. Even as you hear that, if you're feeling like your ladder's been up against the wrong wall for a little while, I just want to say the good news is that becoming aware of change that's needed is an opportunity for change to actually happen. It means it's moving up from the, 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 the subconscious smushed down here, I don't even know what I'm doing, why I'm doing stuff, I'm just doing it because I've always done it, and that's what, that's what we're going to do. You know, but when you start going, wait a minute, is my ladder up against the right wall? Is what I'm doing with my life headed in the right direction? Is it connected to God's story? Then just being aware of that, being able to repent and go, Lord, I want to connect my life to you. I want to change my thinking and order life to you. Just being aware of that is awesome, good news. Okay, so a new kind of story. The last little piece there is a new kind of people. And, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll land this plane in just a minute. But a, a new kind of people is, look at verse 16 in 2 Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Okay, so, so in Christ we have a whole new way of looking at people, people around us. Again, Noah goes through the waters and a new people are formed on the other side. Israel goes through the waters out of slavery. A new people really are shaped on the other side by the wilderness and by the battles going into their land of inheritance. And uh, you know, as we go through the water, we become a new people Together, This is something that, that Paul, that the New Testament teaches, and it's a big deal for us. In Galatians chapter 3, listen to this, speaking about baptism, he says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, or through the faith of Christ Jesus. You translate it either way. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And here's the point. Now there is no, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor f free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. Okay, so what he's saying there is you, this, this baptism thing is huge about creating a new people. That's what, I mean, really, if you look at all the tension places in the New Testament, most of it was about people being together from different backgrounds and becoming one. 
Okay, so it's been, a, it's been a big deal for a long time. What's the last thing Jesus prayed for? He ended the high priestly prayer in John 17. He's praying for the people to be, for the disciples to be, for us to be together and to be united. It's a gigantic deal. And so baptism, the other side of that, the people of God really do become one people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, one people. Once you weren't a people, but now you're a people. You know, and it's like we are one, and yet I look around this room, all the different shades and colors and hues and backgrounds and social deals and all. We're, we're so different, and yet we're one. And it doesn't mean, though, that we just merge, we do a Borg merge into just we're all just exactly the same, right? Borg's actually an old illustration now, and I realize some of you guys don't understand what I'm talking about. So... But, but we don't just merge into one. We retain our distinctiveness. Every tribe, language, nation, and tongue is there before the throne and is one together. Okay? Just, if, we, if we catch a vision for this, it changes everything. It's a game changer. You know, they used to put the billboards up. I don't know if it's still the motto over at the school. They used to put the billboards, TCU, something change the world. You want to change the world? Catch a vision for what God's done for us in Christ in making us one. If the Christians would just get this, we would change the world. Just understanding that we are one people. You know, and I mean just us, we start right here. Start in your life group, one people. Start in the church, one people. Then we can take that to the school. We can take that to our workplace. We can take that to the city. In Fort Worth, Texas, there's one church. There is one church. There's one lampstand for this city. And there's all different kinds of backgrounds. I just, said, I just re-upped again on the advisory team for uh, TarrantNet, which is the, the group that brings all the different churches together in the city. Did it years ago. Hadn't done it in a decade or so. But, but it's a big deal. And if we will realize that, you know, I've got some stuff to learn from people that have different backgrounds from me that are higher church, lower church, more charismatic, less charismatic. I mean, all these different streams, Pentecostal, charismatic, Bible church, Episcopal, Anglican, Catholic. And in the midst of all of that, there's all kinds of people that love Jesus Christ. And we're one. With every other Jesus loving person. It's Jesus. And, you know, we want to just start getting our little stuff in there. And, well, they got to believe this, and they need to believe this about that. And they sure can't believe that because if they do that, then that means, and I want to just, you know, I want to focus us in as clearly and as laser like as I can. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your, put your hope in Jesus. There is no other hope. There's no other hope. It's, I'm not putting my hope and I, I got all the doctrines right. Mercy. Have mercy on us, O oh God. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. I'm not putting my faith in baptism to save me. I'm not putting my faith in my faith to save me. Did I have enough to do it right? I'm putting my, I don't have any other hope. Jesus. I'm putting my hope in Jesus and I'm putting my hope and love in the God that Jesus Christ reveals. And I love Him. And I'm for Him. 
And I want to shout it from the rooftops, you know. It doesn't, and I'm not, I'm not saying doctrine doesn't matter. I, I study theology, all, it's what I do. But what's the bottom line, really? It's Jesus. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is true theology. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is God speaking to us. Jesus is the, the living Word, the great I Am, the bread of life, on and on and on and on. A new kind of people that change the world. Let me give you just a couple of disciplines. I've been all over the place there in the last few minutes, but a couple of discipline things. What are some practices that will help shape our desire for Jesus? Uh, write down celebration. Celebration, that's going to shape, it's going to shape me. As I worship the Lord, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's going to shape me. When I worship the Lord, when I say, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. Now that was on this morning. Just worshiping. You know, it shapes me. It helps me to see the goodness of God and His love for me. Gratitude would be in that category as well. Here's one that we don't think about, a practice, detachment. So that's another one of those, it's kind of negative in the sense of I'm letting go of my stuff. And a, practi a, way, a practical way of doing that would be to go through your house and just go, Lord, that's yours. That, that piece of furniture, that's yours. That bed, that's yours. That stereo, that's yours. That kitchen table, that's yours. That food, that's yours. And just practice a, a pushing back so that we can have more of Jesus in our lives, you know, uh, uh, yeah. The third thing there is unity. Another practice is is unity, and that's just where we are cognizant, where we recognize the fact, and we stir up the desire in our hearts to recognize the body of Christ around us, because that's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus. We want. It's an attitude, you guys, that uh, it shines in your life. It'll shine in my life. Do I, do I respect you? Do I have love for you? Because I recognize that you're a part of this family. We're a part of this family together. All different kinds of backgrounds, socioeconomic, racial, all that stuff. But we're one family. And those are practical ways to just work on the desires like I was talking about there at the start. And I want to finish just by saying... God wants you to really, really know Him. And I mean know Him like He says this is eternal life. That they would know you, Father. And they would know you, that know the Son. And, and God wants us to live in this new kind of life that's pictured in baptism. You know, at one level, there's a couple people that got baptized today. But at another level, everybody that's already been baptized can walk down the road and we can look back and see our baptism, and it means so much more to us now than it did. And it's important that we keep telling this story about how our lives were changed there because I keep going, it gets deeper and richer. And, and there may be somebody, somebody that needs to be baptized today. You know, I mean, we're going to finish the service, but if you need to be baptized, you know, Philip was teaching a guy one time, and the guy said, Look, there's water right here. Why can't I be baptized? Look, there's water right here. If you need to be baptized, We'll do it today. You need to be baptized next week. We'll do it next week. It's just, it's a huge, I'm trying to bring us into this thing 
Because it's so wonderful. It's so awesome. God's given us new life. He's given us a new story. It's His story. And He's given us a new people to live this journey out with. And that's awesome. Y'all stand up. Okay. Amen. Now, we're going to have some ministry here. Worship team's coming up. Ministry team's coming up. And, you know, one of the challenges that makes living in the new life difficult is that we have marriages, we have relationships, we have troubles at work, we have hard things that happen. And you know what? God wants to meet you in the midst of all of that stuff right now. He wants to meet you about your school stuff, about relational things. He wants to meet you right now. And He wants to change things. He wants to bring hope where you've gotten hopeless. He wants to reconnect you to His story where you've lost a sense of connection to what He's doing. If you need to start the journey, you want to continue the journey, you want to press in with God. One of the things that might be, you might be thinking about is I feel like when you were saying that stuff about the ladder being up against the wrong wall, I, I really do want to, and the word's repentance, but it helps to get somebody to pray with you. Like where you go, yeah, I want to get... I want to get life recalibrated to Jesus. Right here at the beginning of a semester, start of the fall, it's a great time to do it, isn't it? Just saying, yes, Lord. So whatever your need is, just there's, there's an opportunity for prayer up here. You guys come, get prayer. Give your life to Jesus in a fresh way. And if God's tugging at your heart right now, man, don't leave without getting some help from somebody, getting some prayer. Just be bold. Step out. Go for it. If the front fills up, we'll, we'll find more people to pray. Let's go for it. Father, meet us today. Change our lives, our hearts. Connect us to You in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come, whatever your need is, come.